The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of The Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. Hey, how about a big inheritance? I'm going to tell you an investment carol today. We're climbing the wall of worry as Powell tweaks commentary and earnings season. Yep. Saying goodbye to the earnings recession. Our guest today is Steve Sanders, Executive VP of Marketing and Product Development at Interactive Brokers. All this and much more on episode number 841 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Saying, uh, well, goodbye to that sneaking October. Hello, November. What a difference a few days makes, right? I mean, seriously, coming into uh, this month, it was seeming all just agony and pain and market depression. And all of a sudden, the last day sparks a nice rally into the month of November that seems to be in pretty good shape so far. Hey, uh, coming to you from the agency studios, as we call it, I'm Andrew Horowitz a.k.a. The Disciplined Investor. Thank you for joining me this week. And every week we have a good lineup today, as we do often and most of the time, with a great guest as well. i got a few things I want to talk about. Um, I want to thank you, by the way, for all your recent emails. Seems like seems like this is the season for portfolio reviews. I, I, I'm not, maybe I, I think I may have started this a few years ago, sometime around the last quarter, mentioning that, you know, hey, you know, if you want a portfolio review, and I, I haven't even mentioned it this year. I think everybody's thinking that we just do this regularly, but I guess we do at this point. So it must be something in the air or something from our muscle memory that is causing us to think about this important aspect of our uh, a portfolio in our future. But yes, we can we can surely do that. And and thank you again for all those emails asking if we do it. And, uh, you know, this is time to make sure that your investments are consistent with your goals, right? That making sure that you are properly allocated, consistent with not only your goals, but your outlook and the outlook for what's going on in the markets into the near and midterm future, right? So throughout the time. So all you have to do is go over to um, thedisciplineinvestor.com, send us a request, or click on the Ask Andrew. And by the way, while you're there, quick note, uh, you can register for the November 15th webinar which we're calling What's in Store for 2024, which is a look back and a look forward at what has happened, what has created the environment that we're in, and what is likely to be the outlook for 2024 and how to properly allocate and put together a portfolio in that circumstance. We'll talk about a lot of different things and, of course, take your questions. That's the most important part of this, right? So you, you probably have questions that you haven't been able to ask and you've been thinking about it. Well, this is a good time to do so. Because right now, as we're talking, you're thinking, but you can't talk back in this format. But in the webinar format, you can. So it's a freebie to get your questions answered. So there you go. All right, let's talk about Powell. Well, he seemed to put, I think, uh, maybe a tweak into his tone. And coming off a little bit of his hawkish stance and, and, and maybe giving some optionality into where he may go with regard to rates and where the Fed may be looking. And I think it's consistent with what we were talking about, which would be that they have to maintain a pretty significant hawkish stance overall. However, when we look at what's going on around the world and in our economy and in economies around the world, so we have political unrest, we have wartime environment, we have a, an economy that is, is, is tightening. Fiscally, you know, we're seeing that there is a tightening happening, but yet still not showing up in a dramatic sense. It's very, it's very much on the edges, very much on the edges. And I think Powell, when he said that the potential for doing too much or too little at this point is evenly weighing on risk, that shows that he is more on the neutral camp as to whether how much or when or if to raise rates in the future. And that was really taken well by the markets. Right at that point is when markets took off, rates dropped, and we saw a significant change in the environment for risk appetite. 
that move that we saw, the parabolic move on the 10 and the, and the long-term bond, that came off very significantly. And that is something that we have to look at. Now, there may have been a lot of bets on him being very hawkish. We have to see over the next few days with some of the further data that's coming out uh, and, and what's happening around the world, whether or not we're going to see the, either the fight to safety or away from. We're going to see that if, in fact, there is funding uh, for the Israeli and uh, Hamas war and whether or not there's going to be a, a, a maneuver to take money out of the funding for the IRS and whether or not we have, of course, uh, the, the, you know, the budget situation and, and coming again, another government shutdown. All these things are playing into what is happening with rates right now. But it did seem that very much, um, I would say, in sync with when, when Neil started tumbling during his speech, it was about this tonality of his. So I think that was very important to, to recognize and, and to, to look at. So something to consider. Now, before we get to our guest today, I was thinking about something recently. I was driving in my car on the way to work, and I'm thinking about, um, you know, the future. And I'm thinking about what we do on a regular basis to invest in our future. And in fact, I have a, um, a little mini seminar that I was asked to give to a group of people um, talking about their futures and their 401ks. And I, and I thought about, you know, what, what is it that I want to impart to them and how can I help them? Because one of the big things is that a lot of people really can't or don't want to or don't understand how to invest for their future or, you know, it's a, something they, they, they want to do. Right now, here and now is the time when we're struggling, right? We're, we're, we're working on this whole aspect of how do I make the paycheck that I'm getting last till the end of the week? How do I pay all my bills that I've accumulated? Whether it's the hard bills, you know, the, the mortgage, car payments, insurance, water bills, or the discretionary stuff that I buy, right? getting nails done, going out for dinner, drinks, um, the credit card bills that you amassed over time. How do we get that and, and differentiate that from, you know, the savings aspect, which which is very difficult to see sometimes. When I thought about this, and, and this is my little investment carol off of the, you know, from the, from the concept of, of a Christmas carol, is... Is this and, and again, it was because I was thinking about when I asked somebody one day some time ago, I said, well, what do you want to be in life? What do you want to do? And the answer that came back to me was, I want to become a beneficiary. And I thought, okay, well, that's that's a fantastic answer. Although, although it kind of also tells you that somebody doesn't want to work. But you know what? If you're a beneficiary, your money's working for you usually, right? You have assets. And here's the mindset that I think you need to start thinking about if you want to be a beneficiary one day. Because wouldn't that be great? Get a big fat inheritance sometime in the future? How do you do that? You know, how do you troll around finding old people to become friends with and write to in their will? No, I am talking about something much easier. And this is what you need to really push into your frontal cortex. You need to think about three different yous. The past the present, and the future you. Kind of the ghosts of investment past, the ghost of investment present, and, and the ghost of investment future. Because, you know, can you imagine just for a minute if you, throughout your time, the present you started putting away all sorts of money? Let's think of it differently. Can you imagine if the past you bought Apple and Google and Netflix and Microsoft years ago, and you'd be looking at that as the present you going, oh my God, that was a fantastic move. But the present you is stuck today. Maybe the past you didn't put any money aside or a small amount or reasonable amount, but really didn't make it a priority. And the present you is sitting here going, well, I got to put some money in my 401k, I guess for my future, but I got to pay my bills and weighing the options of what do I do? Do I pay off my current bills or do I invest for my future? But again, can you imagine? Can you imagine if this past you was successful at balancing that and put away all sorts of money for you and here you are present day reveling in it? 
That'd be great. But no. The present you is saying, I can't do it. And that's really sad. Who's that sad for? That's sad for the future you. The future you is going to look back and really be kind of upset with the present you. It's going to be like, oh, what the hell? Why didn't I do that? It was so easy to put away that extra $50 or to invest properly in my portfolio when I seemed scared because I was looking at the, the chart of a three-day market when I should have been looking at long-term 20, 30, 40 years and over time. And the present you is going to be sitting here again, suffering the future you is going to be looking back and saying what, a, you know, what, a, what an idiot I was. But the way that you can get an inheritance is your future is very easy. It starts with you now. Make that inheritance so that you can become a beneficiary for yourself in the future. Now, I know this is kind of like this weird topic of what, why is he going here? Because I've seen too many times people not put enough money for their future and freaking out. Sometime they go, you know what? Uh, you know, I had the opportunity, but I spent it all. I bought that extra car all the time when I could have saved a little. Think about the three U's and how each one of them can look forward or look back to what you have done and be responsible for the outcomes that you make with the decisions that you make. Be happy, proud of, and enthusiastically cheering as the future you for your present you to do the right thing and really kick it up and make sure that you, in fact, are a beneficiary in the future. I'm cheering for you. With that, let's get to our guest right now and get into a deep conversation. And our guest today is Steve Sanders. He, he is, uh, as, as you've known, he's been on before. He's the executive vice president of marketing and products development at Interactive Brokers. He's a very important fellow over there. Uh, in his capacity, he oversees all marketing and product development efforts at the company and introduces um, he, he introduces the um, low commissions, advanced trading technology, uh, the breadth of the product worldwide to advance individual and institutional investors on a global basis. So as always, it's really a pleasure to have you on the show, Steve. How are you? I am fine, and it's great to see you again, Andrew. I mean, it's, you know, we, we've been, well, we've known each other a while. And, right. um, you know, through all that time, as we were talking a little bit about uh, offline about was, you know, there, there seems to be a, a, a state of, um, there's always a state of concern, panic, worry in the world. I don't, I don't remember really a time, it could be a higher or lower state of anxiety, right? But I don't right. remember a time that, that necessarily there was uh, world peace, right? Uh, or, or, or just absolute, you know, for a very long period of time, just a moderate level of action in markets, whether they're commodities or currencies or stocks. I guess that's just something we have to all as investors deal with and live with, right? Right. Well, although I would very much like to see world peace, uh, the truth of the matter is if there was nothing happening in the world, there'd be no volatility in the markets and people probably wouldn't want to invest or, or trade as much. Yeah, what fun would that be anyway, right? Right. So I always talk about in the office that, you know what, uh, th there's been times. I mean, do you remember the times during Obama's days, uh, that that range of time when the VIX was like eight? Was it like that low or something like that, right? Right. It, it, right. Was, like, it right. was like, oh, is this boring? This is, boring. this is a boring market. Nothing's happening. Meanwhile, it was a fine market to be invested in. Right. It was but just... But certainly, if you you know if you're an option options trader or somebody who's actively trading the markets, probably not as good, right? right? Yeah, it's like it's like a basketball game that two points, two points, two points, two points, or the whole time without anybody having a major run or or domination. And right. It just it ends like that, and there's no last thirty second excitement. That that's exactly right. <laughs> Let's talk about the landscape right now. I think um, you know what's happening now. Is, 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 I think, Steve, I think a lot of investors have never lived through what we're seeing right now. And I'm not talking about volatility, right? That, that happens from time to time in different circumstances, as we discussed. But they've never lived in a time that the Fed was actually purposefully 
trying to slow things down, take money out of the markets, deliquify, tamp down, and have a, 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 a time when rates are higher than they've been. So, so one of the things we know is banks and brokers have been affected by this, right? Impacted by this. So from your perspective, tell me a little bit about, you know, where that really is uh, beneficial and maybe and even problematic. Right. Well, I'm, I'm probably too old for this now, but um, certainly the eighties were a very scary time when we had double digit rates. Mm -hmm. So, so, so to me, this, this is just a return to uh, normalcy. I think the in, the low interest rates that we saw were were fairly abnormal, um, and this was to be expected uh, for for our clients. I mean, you know, our our rates uh, float with whatever the Fed funds rate is. So, um, you know, we're not going to pub punish our our uh, clients when when rates go up they they get more money paid on their uh cash and when rates go down they they're, they're going to get less money paid on their cash regardless of the currency they uh hold their cash in so you know it's interesting because th there's something very subtly which you're talking about here which which were were something that it's important to understand and one of the problems that some of these other brokers out there have had and and just pick your name and, and and plug it in, is that they didn't do that, right? So what they had was uh, a very low yielding cash account, sweep account. And then if you wanted to get anything other than that in a money market atmosphere, you'd have to go out and get it. And what they lived on for a long time was the stupidity, uh, the, the ignorance of the investor and hoping for that to keep them in a low-bearing account or zero bearing count essentially, and then scooping up the differentials. Would, was that, is that something you would agree with me on? Yeah, I, I, I would certainly agree with that, but they're kind of in an awkward position. So when rates were very low, certain brokers, you know, wanted to juice up their P&L and took a gamble and they invested in, in long-term investments, you know, their clients cash and long-term investments. So if you're invested at one or 2%, for a long time, it's awfully hard to pay uh, clients out, you know, you know, four percent, four and a half percent, or the four point eight three percent that that we're offering because you're only earning one or two percent. Uh, we never did that. We vote, you know, the duration of our investments are are twenty four days, and and as the you know the the rate floats up and down, we adjust it to our clients and. You know, we give them a fair deal. It's always uh, 50 basis points, 50 to 100 basis points under Fed funds or, um, you know, when they want to go borrow, it's, it's uh, you know, 50 to 100 basis points um, uh, above. And that that's what we do. So there's never anything. But the difference what you do is that you did that for the base account. I'm calling it the sweep account, the, the core cash account. Yes. The money when you make a deposit into your account, that's where it sits. So if somebody was to, let's just keep it very easy for an investor, you know, open an account at Interactive Brokers versus open an account at some other companies. What was really interesting was, and, and we really, it didn't come out until rates changed. A lot of this didn't really come out until the rates really started moving. So you deposit money, you don't do anything with it, zero. You do nothing with it, right? You just let it sit right. wherever the heck it landed. And the difference was that interactive brokers and others, I mean, not, not the only ones, but interactive brokers was very um, 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 adamant about keeping that, as you mentioned, that plan that you have of paying on that. So whatever the rate was, they would get. Whereas some other brokers, which was what hurt them, is that they just left it in there and didn't say anything about, hey, by the way, there was no calls like, Mr. Jones, we want to let you know that you can get higher interest rate if you move yeah. your money. Just like banks didn't do that either. Banks didn't do that either. And shame on yeah. them, right? Right. Well, that certainly is is a distinction. We pay the interest on the broker account. There is no sweep account. And almost all other brokers have a separate sweep account that they sweep back and forth uh, every day. And if you're hooked up to a very low sweep account, uh, you're going to get very low interest. So what? What? how do you see this all playing out in terms of um, – 
the landscape with regard to banks? Is is the banking crisis? Do you think it's kind of behind us? Was that one blip in March, and then when the Fed allowed for the movement of um, for sale to hold to maturity and allowing for banks to sell their beaten up assets to the Fed directly, right at full maturity price, is that is this whole thing over? No, I, I, I don't think it's over because, as I said, if you're invested at one or two percent, it's awfully hard to pay out, you know, four and a half percent. I think that they're, you know, their hands are kind of tied and that they're going to have to continue what they're doing right now, which is not paying much unless you call up and complain and tell them you're leaving and then maybe they'll figure out something for you. So it's like the XM Sirius satellite radio plan. That, that, you know what, that's exactly right. And I was just looking at one I had to renew today, as a matter of fact, because I'm not going to pay double. Of course you're not going to pay. I'm not going to pay. I'm not doing it. I'm leaving. I'm telling you, I'm out of here, sir. Right, you... exactly, exactly. It's funny you brought that up. All right, so um, so the thing is you have a 24-day uh cycle on your holdings inside of the the accounts that you utilize to then pay the client brokerage account their int, int, interest rate on that um and then there's there's what you also have other but you have other cash management accounts right or features? No, not, features, not features, really. The, the, our whole idea is to make the broker account everything. You don't have to move it, transfer it, or anything else. So we have this one account. It, it, if the account is positive, we pay high interest on it. If the account, again, you need to borrow against your securities, we we loan you at, at low rates. We have a debit card hooked up to it that right. you can move your cash out of. Um, you can use Apple Pay, uh, Google Pay against it. We have Bill Pay against that account. It's it's really an all-in-one account, yeah. which for some, you know, is a great thing to have. Mm -hmm. And for others, they like to separate out their life and they like to have an investment account and a bank account. And, you know, they don't want the two to mix. So the... I mean, I can get that. I mean, sometimes people do like to have consolidation. Sometimes people like to have a little segregation. I get right. that. There's, there's reasons, you know, it's, yep. you know, because we don't want the wife to know. I didn't say that. Uh, right. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that. <laughs> you know, but, no, but there's, there's reasons right. for for different accounts, different holdings. Right. For, for example, um, obviously, it, it there, there may be a different style of accounts, right? It could be for right. different types of trading accounts and things like that. Some you want margin, some you don't. Some you can't have margin on, as an example. Um, you know, one of the things that you did, I, I think I wanted to step back for a second because I remember talking about this one of the first times we met was how, uh, because you got a lot of words, by the way, just to let everybody know, I am, I am talking uh, with Steve right now and I'm looking at him and I'm, and, and, and in the background of, of his, of his shot here on this uh, video, which you're not seeing cause we just do audio on this podcast are the, all these awards, there's all these awards in the background from all sorts of things that Interactive Brokers has won over the years, you know, like Top Broker this and that this and all these wonderful things dating back many years. Many people probably don't know how you started, though, how Interactive Brokers started. Uh, and you're, you're from the beginning. I mean, you're, you're, when did you start with them? Well, I've been here for 23 years. And as I told you before, Andrew, those are my showing up awards that, that over 23 years, we would have had to win something or I would have been out of here. Right. Uh, it's a little bit uh, more so than that. Sir? You're very humble, but very much more than that. Right. So so uh, we actually, you know, began as an options market maker. That's why we had operations all around the world trading options. And the broker started in, a, in the mid-90s. And I arrived here in 2001. So and, and when I arrived here, there were less than 10,000 accounts and we're about to hit 2.5 million uh, accounts worldwide. So certainly it's been it's been a great experience for me. So options are still a big part of what you do. Um, or it's a part of what you do over at Interactive Brokers, right? Well, 
we got out of the options market making uh, business maybe maybe five years ago. You know, we kind of had to make a decision. Do you want to do the broker thing or do you want to do the options market making thing? I mean, there was, you know, certainly there was always a Chinese wall, but we didn't want anybody to think that there was any kind of uh, conflict conflict of interest. So we we headed towards the broker side and certainly the Susquehannas and the Citadels of the world decided to stay in market making and that's what they do. But you still, what I'm point is you still do a lot of options work. In other words, clients buy options. Oh, yeah. certainly. Yeah, yeah. Our, our clients buy a lot of options, especially, you know, what's become popular popular lately are the short dated options, the the weeklies. And, you know, there's a lot of trading that goes on in the last day because that's when there is the most volatility. So it's interesting because I, I've, I've been looking at this for some time and, and trying to really understand that. And there really is some interesting play that you can have with regard to some of the short dated, right? Especially the zero days. And I didn't even realize, it took me a little while till I researched this, that zero days are available almost every day. Like I didn't That's realize, not, I didn't realize, I thought zero days were only going to be like when I first started thinking about this uh, uh, some time back, that it would be only on, let's say the, the, the maturity on the weekly maturity on the monthly, you follow what I'm saying? So that Friday or, or the quarterly, whatever it is, whatever the particular one, I thought that was going to be, oh, we invest in zero days at that point. Right. I didn't realize that like every day there's a zero day birth. Every, every day there is issued a weekly option. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So when you get to that zero day at the end of the uh, weekly option period, that that's when it becomes zero day. And but I thought uh, that was I thought the last week I was looking at some off day or maybe it was an index. That's what it was. An off day is a Wednesday. Maybe there was some off day that I thought I recall having. It was like closing that day. Yeah, um, so I I think most of them now, and and um, you know, you people need to check the websites of the CBO and the CMA. I think most are issued every day, um, at least the most popular contracts, and yeah. there are a few that right. maybe are only done, you know, maybe a few times a week. So I have a question for you though: um, the options market. Do you think the option market is? Um, it's become a lot bigger, right? Obviously, yeah. Th than it was, which then also is it, it's leverage. The option option margin mar market, by its very nature, is leveraging because you buy one contract that's a hundred shares, so you got that going on. Yeah. And you could buy, let's say, one contract for Apple. Let's say for five dollars, it's five hundred dollars that you're controlling one hundred shares, which is a yeah. much, much. It's not even a normal leverage level, right? It's a whole different yeah. aspect. Do you think that the option market has been, it's a positive of what's going on with these short dateds and these kind of moves where we've seen uh, like gamma squeezes that were done over the years utilizing um, way out of the money call options? Um, or is it just part, it's just a different animal that's kind of within the same, um, you know, universe? Well, I, I just want to add one other point. Um, besides the extra leverage, there's also limited risk if you if you're yeah. buying call or put options, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You know what what you put into your premium that that's it, right? Mm -hmm. So look, um, you know, lots of innovations have come into the financial markets, and lots of things have have, you know, grown and, and um, you know, kind of disappeared over the years. I, I, what I always say is, you know, people, people vote with their feet, you know, if this is a good thing, you know, for most users of options, they're going to continue to use it and it's going to continue to grow. And if it isn't, then, you know, people are going to lose interest. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fascinating, though, what's going on. I mean, in terms of... Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of very interesting, we'll call short-term strategies that have been born from this whole concept. That's right. There's more retail participation. I would say the other um, item where there's more retail uh, participation is with the micros because these future contracts are much smaller than the old ones. You know, people get their feet wet, you know, with the micros. So the small amount of, of, of money per, for the contract price is much less, of course. And then, right. and then the, the, uh, 
the, the, the leverage or the, the requirement is much less for the margin too. That that's correct. In a total dollar sense, I should that, say. That's correct. And yeah. certainly for the CME, the micros have been a very popular product and gradually they've, you know, released it to all different types of asset classes. So you mentioned retail and the retail investor and what they're doing. And obviously we know there was an explosion of interest from retail investors back in 2020 when it became pretty much a, you know, stay at home fun game on your right. phone to trade. And people were buying stuff that, you know, was, you know, POS, you know, piece of shit dot com and letting it hoping that it's going to hit a million dollars per share and and all the other things that went on. And not to mention all the crazy things with the GameStop, which is going to be the next IBM, uh, you know, all that theory that was going behind this. So we know that and you knew it at the time, but it wasn't really that clear that it was going to pass the concept of this, that kind of level of, of craziness. It was going to burn itself out to a point. However, it seemed that still there was a renewed invigoration and excitement with retail investors. How do you, is that still playing out from where you can see it? And maybe not the same level, but is that still um, holding? Well, first of all, I, I hope you had the opportunity to see dumb money, which, which, yep. I, I found to be very humorous. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think that it was, you know, the positive of, of what went on was there was exposure to the markets, um, you know, to a new to a new uh, crowd of people that never looked at the markets before. Um, I I would say that probably over the last couple of years, as people took losses, those that weren't really interested in learning more about the markets, uh, they just dropped out and lost their money. And those that were serious about learning about investing, um, they they are still with us. And and we try to educate people. We have our Traders Campus uh, website where people can go and take courses and read our, our week our daily newsletters and about our APIs and we have webinars so people can educate themselves in the markets and then hopefully you know um, invest well with this education. Yeah. So we've always believed that education is a very important uh, component of investing in the markets. Yeah, it's like Cy Sims. remember that? you remember Cy Sims? Maybe, right. You know, an educated, educated consumer, consumer is our best customer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly um, right. So I went into Sims one time. It's a quick side note here. I went yeah. into Sims one time and I was going to buy a suit down here in Florida. I walk right. in, I get two suits and I walk up to the uh, counter and they, they took the hangers out of the suits. I said, what are you doing? I said, and they start folding it, kind of crumpling it and putting it in a bag. Right. I said, what are you doing? I said, well, we keep the hangers. I said, I'm spending money on the suit. Give me the hanger. It's a nice, you know, it's a nice hanger. I'm sorry, sir. We can't give you the hanger. I'm like, oh, and you're, you know what? The way you're treating that garment tells me that you don't care about that garment. And the fact that you're not going to respect me and give me the, the hangers, I'm out of here. Right, right, right. I stormed stormed out. I stormed out like a child. (laughs) Well, if people want hangers at interactive brokers, I'm happy to send them. Oh, there you go. Hangers, hangers (laughs) for everybody. You get a hanger, you get a hanger. There you go. I like it. But is the right. trading is the trading volume bearing this out that you know still holding relatively um, strong from let's say the the the, the you know down in two thousand twenty two when everybody was just crying in their milk um, you know is 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 are we picking up from the retail side trading side? Well, here's the deal. Um, we you know in terms of accounts, um, we are growing over you know in in you know probably twenty to twenty five percent year over year. So. And and most of our clients, well, I would say over eighty percent of our accounts are now coming from outside the U.S. Really? So there's an increase in trading volume just because we're adding all these these new clients. On the other hand, um, you know, the trading per client is is not the same as it was um, during uh, during the meme stock craze, but uh, these these cycles come in and out all the time, and that's just to be expected. Yeah, I, I, yeah. So, one just to get back to this point about the educational, what you you I know because I've seen it 
you, you know, you put a lot of effort to training and providing information from the various newsletters you mentioned from the campus um, to, to, to the webinars. You know, there's also um, a variety of tools that you've put a lot of money into, a lot of effort, a lot of time. Which you know, it's it, it, not not everyone. A lot of these, a lot of these brokers, the stuff is kind of flat, right? It's like here's here's your account statement, thank you, you know, and it's very you know hard to get to. And, and let's let's also be honest. I'm going to be honest. Every platform takes time to learn how to meander around, right? Figure out how to use because it may not be you know uh, Google Chrome, right? It may right. not be. You, you need to learn how to like what to click, where to go, and find it, but. Um, you know, we talked about options. You have an option wizard, which which is is, is a uh, we'll call it a platform app or an item within a baked in app within an app, um, which gives people the opportunity to do things like figure out if they want to do an iron condor or a spread or sell a sell a call against a stock or you know think about whatever the particular you know butterflies whatever particular option strategy. Um, you pretty much do it on the fly. Right there, you can create all that. That that's right. It's it's part of our education tools. I mean, given that options is our heritage, uh, we felt we should have a tool that would you know help new clients that never traded options before um, learn what all these combinations are, and and that's the whole genesis behind that that um, option wizard. You know. You can go through it. It's available in our client portal, Trader Workstation, as well as our simplified global trader for those that want to learn about these combos. But the thing is also, it's not just, like I said, you know, where you're just like, okay, you know, you want to do this and then put in the, the spread. Like, so if you can do a, some kind of a, you know, debit spread or, or a butterfly, whatever it is, you know, okay, put it in. No, it's going to give you your downside, it's going to give you your, you know, it's going to give you some outcomes, right? You know, your risk factors, it's going to give you a visual representation. That, that's exactly right. It, it's completely visual and that that's what's great about it. Yeah. So that's, I, I find that helpful when I'm yeah. looking at options because you want to know kind of, okay, we know that certain ones have no risk. We know that some have unlimited risk, right? That's you know, uh, so, exactly so you right. want to know kind of where are you in the spectrum and what are my odds? What are my probabilities? When it comes that, to that. that, that's exactly right. If you don't like risk, you shouldn't be selling call options. That, that's right? correct. Yeah, naked at least, right? Yeah, against it. So, um, one of the things I know you're really proud of is the global trader. So, yes. I'm going to just hand it off to you and let you explain it, and then we can maybe delve into it a little bit because I, I've used it. It's pretty. It's 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 again. It's it's another tool that you know over the years you used to have all these free tools right you used to have not you yeah. the, the world had these free tools you know you had msn money back in the day people still go to yahoo finance all this stuff one of the things i've always said is okay well that's great but i'm really concerned about the scrub data so i don't have as a concern with ibkr's data flow of of information because it's it's garbage in garbage out in this yeah. scenario especially when you talk about you know fundamentals and things of that nature that come up through that um, so, but, but the thing that's really nice is it, it gives you, um, depth of information through the global trader. So I know that's something that's really been, um, the, the IBKR's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's something that's really been a centerpiece of what you're, you're, you're talking about with people, right? Yeah, we introduced, I mean, the Trader Workstation, the Client Portal are more complex platforms. They take, they're very powerful, but they take some time to learn. So the whole idea behind the Global Trader was to introduce a mobile-only app that's really simple, that could let somebody in Hong Kong or Australia or anywhere in the world um, get this mobile app and start trading stocks in other countries with without a without a lot of hassle and, uh, and a big learning curve. And, and clients can either, you know, stay with that or they can upgrade to a more powerful platform, but we tried to just keep the basics in there. Right. So it's basically trading stocks around the world and we added our options wizard in there. So those are the two things that reside in the global trader. And as I said, it's extremely intuitive um, there's not a lot to learn. So if you're just starting out or you're just interested in investing, 
um, some stocks around the world, that that's the right platform for you. And then, and then with regard to um, something that I've been seeing recently is, um, you know, we know we could trade pre-market, post-market. You know that there's certain times that are available. That's for stocks. Stocks. Then you got futures, which, you know, have at it all night, all day, pretty much. Get a break on the weekends. Same thing with uh, currencies, you know, with, with um, FX. But I don't think a lot of people know that you, – you tell me what you think. But I don't think a lot of people know – this actually was an expansion of overnight trading hours on certain securities. Yep. So, you know, it's not, you're not going to find your micro caps in there that, that have no volume to be, you know, a, a, a stock that trades 200 shares a day is probably not going to be in the overnight trading matrix, but the big names and many of the ETF index ETFs are in there too. Right. So what, yep. tell, tell us about, most people don't know, what, what is that expansion? How's that work? What, what's happened? Yeah. So, you know, overnight trading has been tried over the years many times. And usually what happens is, you know, people just get bored with it. There's not enough liquidity. The spreads are wide and people, you know, end up, you know, just migrating back to the regular trading hours. Uh, what, what's different about interactive brokers, given that 80% of our client base is outside the U.S., they, you know, they'd rather trade during the day. I mean, there just aren't that many people that want to trade at 2 a.m. But certainly, if you're at in Hong Kong and you want to trade at 10 a.m. in the morning, yeah, um, and, and there's a 12-hour difference that's 10 p.m. at night, um, you would have a lot more interest in, in um, overnight trading. So we introduced it. I believe we have more uh, stocks that are available for overnight trading. There's also overnight, um, some overnight trading on the SIBO for options. And we offer this. The, the spreads have been, you know, in my opinion, uh, pretty decent. And we've seen a buildup. But um, as I said, the reason this works for us is because of our worldwide uh, client base. I think if you were just a U.S. broker um, offering this, that there just aren't that many people that, you know, want to trade in the middle of the night. So, but but like using Trader's Workstation, I have noticed that it goes kind of to a stasis mode at 8 p.m. Is there some other settings that you have to look at? There, there's a, there is a destination for um, overnight trading that, that you have to... Um, that that you have to enable to in order uh, to get it. Yeah, I'm not interested in really doing this because there's enough right. things to do after hours after eight o'clock. You know, <laughs> the normal the normal what's what time's the normal start in the morning? Six thirty six. Nine, nine. Well, the normal you know in the New York Stock Exchange would open is, is nine thirty. Right, but right? the eight o'clock is the true pre market. Exactly. And then eight eight eight, eight a.m. to eight p.m. Is kind of right. the range. Eight o'clock, pre-market's considered eight o'clock a.m. to 9.30 a.m., right before right. 9.30. And uh, four o'clock p.m. for stocks, 4.15 for options close, I think. But four that, o'clock that, for stocks yeah. till eight o'clock at night. Yep, that, that's right. And certainly 12 a.m. isn't a time, you know, traditionally when a lot of people trade it. Right, you get, a, you get end up doing ambient trades. Right. You know, you get up, you're like, what, 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 what is this alert that I'm overbought? I don't understand what's going on. I only took half that Ambien. I, don't, I shouldn't right. be trading like that, you know, but yep. the, um, the, the overnight trade is pretty fasting. How does, how does the clearing work? Because usually you have a T plus and the T plus is based on the, what is it based on the 24 hour day? Yeah, it, it, it's still the same cycle. So when when the markets close at at four at four p.m., you know that's when everything you know when all the clearing and settlement you know happen. So if you do it after twelve p.m. twelve twelve a.m. in the morning in, in the morning, right. it's going well, to be part of that same day. It, anything that's done after you know the close of the markets at four p.m. goes to the next day. Oh, I got you. I got you. So it just all clumps into that next. That yeah, next, that next day. Okay. That, so, that, any, that, anything else that you could you, that you're kind of uh, you know thinking that is you know through the end of this year, um, you know what's sticking out, what may be of interest, maybe areas. You know, we really um, there was a lot of hot things for a while that cooled off. I mean, rates are the big the big thing these days. It looks yeah. like. 
Yep. So, so uh, we have something big coming up. So we've had our trader workstation available, you know, since the beginning. It's written in Java and it's available for Macs, Unix, and and um, Windows machines. And you know, uh, kind of the the design. You know, it it was great when it was first put in, but it's you know now now even though it's it's very feature packed, it's getting a little bit old. So we are introducing a new desktop application. Nope. Um, actually, it's going to be rolling out in the next month. And um, it has a much more modern interface and it will start with, um, you know, limited, you know, a subset of what the trader workstation offers and over time we'll build everything into it. So we, we are very excited about that. So in the past, my recollection is that when you roll something out, you don't kick the old one out. So... You know, you don't necessarily kick the old wife out, even though you have a new wife. You know, you, you say, right. we can all live together for a while or, here. Or, to, or husband. Yeah, exactly. So, because I remember you have, like, for still to this day, you use the mosaic, uh, yes. which I've never been able to get my fingers on. I can't figure it out. So, I use right. the classic. That's me. Um, well, that, yeah, that that's the thing. You start with something, and it's like, if you get up on the right side of your bed, yeah. you know, getting you to go to the left side is difficult. <laughs> Very so, difficult. You know, you know, we'd like to get rid of the original classic, you know, spreadsheet kind of look, but there are just people that are wed to it and don't want us to let it go. Right. I so, mean, I, I, I try anything. I'll try anything. And I know that if the best way to do it sometimes is just to just go, just do it. And then just yep, rip the bandaid yeah, off. Rip the bandaid off, struggle through it and deal with it. And then you'll figure it out and you'll be like probably better off for it. Right. But I get right. it. I get it. I, get it. I, I have to tell you over the years, Anytime you introduce something new, no matter what it is and how much better it may be, there's always complaints. Oh, there's of course. always somebody that, that's upset that that you changed it. Oh no, right? once once you once you once you uh once you release this, I am sure there is a conversation with an all hands on deck customer service conversation. Like the calls are gonna start right now. Well, Here's the deal. We're not taking the trader workstation away. So if you don't want to use this new desktop, then uh, nobody's putting a gun to your head and saying you have to use it. Can so. you use them side by side? Or is only uh, one log, maybe only one login? Well, the problem is with the exchanges, right? And and the market data. So you're only allowed to have market data on one terminal. So it, it's only going to stream on one place. I have a question about market data, if you, if I may. I don't know if we yeah. ever talked about this. I find the whole market data discussion um, that, or the market data fee structure. Now, this, uh, for those of you listening, I'm, I'm talking about more for professionals. There are fees for all this market data. Some, some groups will absorb it. Uh, so, for example, if we're working with some, they'll absorb it. Some we have to pay for. It. Fine, it's all good. Point though is. If I have five different platforms, a charting platform uh, that I use exclusively, interactive brokers, that platform, and maybe another, I don't know why, another platform to get data. Let's just say three platforms. I got to pay three times for the same exact data. It makes no sense to me. Well, okay. So first of all, as less trading, you know, uh, was happening on the trading floors of the exchanges and at the exchanges because of the ATSs, the exchanges needed to find another revenue source. So over the years, they have become stricter and stricter um, about, about charging for market data because it's, it's a lot of their revenue. So the issue is as follows. If, if you have two brokers, one broker doesn't tell the other broker whether you're using that, that um, data at that time. So, you know, there's really no way of coordinating it. The actual rule is that you're only, if you pay for market data, you can only have it on uh, one terminal at a time. No, but when you say terminal, is it a machine or is it an app? Well, it's- There's the problem. Know, it's- <laughs> A, a terminal would would probably be defined as a screen, and um, you know that that's how the exchanges look. Right, but at. if I have interactive brokers, I have a charting a different charting platform, and I have a different trading platform. Let's just say I have all three. I have to pay for all three, 
I'm yes, getting, but I, I should be as a user. Yeah, they would say that's three terminals. Right. I've had this discussion with them, by the way. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, listen, I'm one person. I will pay for the data, whatever I use. I'll pay for all of it. However, I'm one person on one machine yeah. utilizing the data just in different platforms. Maybe one is like an API pull. Maybe one is who knows what yeah. it is. It's stupid. It's stu I get well, what they're trying to do. It's stupid. It's like me. Well, the issue is that it's a monopoly, and and uh, who are you going to go to instead? No, to get that I get it. But that's like me paying for every TV in my house a different Comcast subscription. That's right. That's except stupid. Now, <laughs> except now you can get satellite, or maybe there's a second provider in I your guess. house. There's I a guess. little bit of competition, right? I yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Or, we could. Or well, unbundle. Yeah, let's go to an unbundle over the top somehow with, with market data. Let, let's, let's figure that out and piss them off. Unplug. Detach. Well, the problem is that they they own the, this data, and there's nowhere else I, you can you can get it, right? I, I totally get it. I totally understand. It's not going to change. I thought I'd vent. No, it's, <laughs> it's probably not going to. It's not uh, going to change. Yep, not going to change. Steve Sanders, EVP at uh, Interactive Brokers. You can go over to ibkr.com for all sorts of good stuff to figure out and understand more about what we talked about. Open accounts. You know, get your right share of your your money market uh, account balances paid a decent wage, if you will. Um, and uh, but I thank you very much for for being very supportive and always being there, and and also um, for your your excellent insights. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Andrew, and hopefully we'll speak again soon. All right, that's great, Steve. Have a good one. Okay, take care. Right. That's gonna wrap it up for this episode. A couple things to remember: uh, number one, the November fifteenth webinar. What's in store for 2024? Go register over at thedisciplinedinvestor.com. You also have the uh, portfolio reviews. And finally, which uh, are you going to be? Happy, sad, mad, or irate at not becoming a beneficiary because you didn't set yourself up? Remember about the past you, present you, and the future you. You have the power to do it. I know you can do it. So let's get started. Let's get rolling. Let's make the end of 2023 a special time where we can look back and be proud of ourselves for what we did to set up ourselves for the future. Thanks for joining me this week and every week. I'll see you soon. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.